Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. There are things in this world that science cannot explain. Things that conjure malevolence, where kindness used to live. There are entities beyond comprehension that lurk just beyond our sight. They twist in the shadows, festering in the darkest parts of a mind. There are relics left behind from time to time. Evidence that something is coming. These items are collected and stored in a secret location. Terror lines the halls in the, the Scarab, Scarab Archives. Archives. Okay. Red light is blinking. We're a go. Well, Dr. East, would you look at that? I can press a button. Dr. East said I should introduce myself for the record, so... Hi. My name is Isabella Thalo. I just graduated from Miskatonic University, go pods, with a BA in Art History. I guess that's what got the Lazarus Foundation's attention. They found me on LinkedIn and offered me an internship. My horoscope said to try something new this week, and since I've been living on a steady diet of ramen and air since graduation, and this something new pays actual food buying money, I jumped at the opportunity. The job description wasn't very clear, so I'm not exactly sure what the Lazarus Foundation actually does, but I'm sure I can handle it. I went down to the office mentioned in the internship offer. It was just down the road on Siesta Avenue. I'd never heard of Lazarus anything in that part of town, and Google didn't seem to know anything either, but, you know, try something new. Actual food buying money. I eventually found the teeny office building, nestled between a deserted Verizon wireless store and a pizza hut in the Siesta Villa Plaza. Next thing I know, I'm down here in these archives with Attila the Doctor breathing down my neck. You know, I don't even know where here is. I have to park at that teeny office building every day, and Samantha drives me to the archives. I'm not actually sure what her name is, but I call her Samantha. She looks like a Samantha. She won't talk to me, though. Scorpio, I bet. The windows on the van are blacked out, and we've driven a different route every day, so I can never tell how far we've actually gone. I think the shortest trip was half an hour, but I had to sit in that old french fry smell for an hour and a half yesterday. So it's definitely been a new opportunity. The setup is eccentric, but the money is good, so I'm going to hang on and see where this takes me. I'm an Aries, though. I don't play these play around and get sacrificed games. The first hint of something really weird and I'm out. I mean, 
obviously the van thing is weird. But so far, it hasn't been get sacrificed kind of weird. They just seem to have a really private way of doing things. Something's just, I don't know, spooky weird about this place. Everything seems so old. I can handle spooky weird, though. At least it isn't retail. So anyway, Dr. East is my supervisor. Also, not much of a talker. I don't think he's exactly enthusiastic about having someone else down here. I've just been card cataloging for days. He's been different today. Shadier than usual, but also... I don't know. It's like he's hiding a glint in his eye. He's got a secret. That's the only reason I'm doing today's recording. That, and because the subject of today's recording is kinda the reason the Foundation sought me out in the first place. Okay, let's see here. Case file M879, designation, the portrait. The portrait is one of the taller pieces in the Scarab Archives. It stands at just under seven feet tall and is a little over five feet wide. The actual canvas part of the artifact is much smaller, about five and a half feet by four feet. That's kind of interesting because that's not at all a regular canvas size. This canvas was built by hand. The height of the piece comes from the astonishing bronze frame around the canvas. It also looks custom. There are faces etched in the metal. They come together in an irregular pattern that goes all the way around the frame. There's a larger section of the frame at the top, a 12-inch depiction of more faces. The pattern makes them feel like they're moving. There are, let's see... 22 faces in all. Looking at them kind of makes my stomach turn. They're twisted, demonic-looking faces. According to the case file, 17 of these faces are designed to appear as though they are asleep, and 5 are awake and grinning outward. And... The case file is correct. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 creepy grinning faces... You're doing great, Isabella. Okay, moving on. The portrait itself is untitled, and the artist and creation date are unknown. It's got a stark, contemporary feel to it, which doesn't seem to aesthetically jive with the ancient-looking frame. They seem like they were built for each other, but they also... I don't know, don't? The canvas itself is a stark white, so white that you might mistake it for unpainted. If you look closely though, you can see the brush strokes in the oil paint. They look frantic, going in all directions. The background is obviously intentionally sterile to juxtapose the main focus of the portrait, the outline of a woman. This part of the painting was done with less frantic brushwork. Instead of digging into the layers of thick paint with their brush, 
the artist carefully layered and blended the silhouette of a woman in a dress, her arms by her side, outstretched slightly like a welcoming embrace. It reminds me of the shadow imprints left behind when people are caught in a really powerful explosion. The body of the woman is black, a deeper black than I'm used to seeing if I'm being honest with you. The artist definitely mixed this black. Something like this doesn't just come out of a tube. I guess they had to in order to compete with the extreme white of the background. Or maybe vice versa. This black is so deep and unmarred that it creates an almost three-dimensional effect. It looks like the figure is bulging out of the frame. The woman is a void, a nothingness, surrounded by a white light. Her welcoming pose signifies warmth, but the rest of her... It's like a Vanta black, now that I really look at it. It creates a sense of unease. There's this sense of looming danger the longer you look at her. Now, here's the really weird part. Like I said, the figure of the woman is a void, a black hole in the center of the painting. But this is designated as a portrait, which means that by definition, it should feature a face. At first glance, the painting does not meet that criteria, but there is a face. If you focus, really focus on where the woman's face should be, you can barely make out the basic features of a human face. A mouth, smiling slightly. A nose, two eyes. The face is so faint and hard to see. One can't even make out that many details. I, I think the eyes are open. I want to say that they're wide open, but that would be impossible to tell. The longer I look, I swear I can see the faintest white where those eyes should be. I blink and they're gone. That's so interesting. The deep, deep black makes your eyes just freak out. Oh, oh, there's notes here. Dr. Reese was very passionate about making sure that the notes made it into the recording. Let's see. It says here that the portrait was bought in an auction, frame and all, in February of 1973 by one Boston Linoge. The auction house's records of where the portrait had come from and the identity of the artist were lost in a fire earlier in the previous year. The piece remained in the possession of Linoge until his death in October of 1998. Nothing weird about his death, says it was natural causes. Per Linoge's will, his art collection was auctioned off. No one offered to buy the mysterious portrait, but one woman did attempt to destroy the piece. She was arrested and later claimed that the artist had been her great-grandmother, a widow named Catherine Ophidian. According to the would-be art destroyer, whose name has been redacted, by the way, Catherine Ophidian had only sold two pieces in the whole of her life, 
One piece was lost, but the other was a portrait of the nothing woman. Huh. The nothing woman. I think that might be a good name for the piece. Miss Ophidian's alleged descendant claimed that the artist had declared on her deathbed that her two sold pieces had been a part of a bargain made with a charming man with no eyes. He advised her what to paint and guaranteed they'd sell. It was only in her final hours that Miss Ophidian realized the truth of her pieces and the frames that held them that had been provided by the man with no eyes. She charged her family with seeking out the pieces and destroying them, her final words being, If they wake, if they meet, then all is lost. The woman's story could never be confirmed. She attacked the officers interviewing her and was committed to a state facility until her death a few years later. The piece was donated to a local art museum, where it remained until May of 2012. A young girl that was part of a tour group went into convulsions after staring at the portrait for several minutes. She was carried away and recovered the moment she left the wing that held the portrait. She contended that she was fine after some water and rest. And then it's reported that she asked, how? And I'm quoting here, the no-faced lady reached out for a hug. Okay, definitely been reading too long. The light made it look like... <sighs> nope. Nope. Don't manifest it. Better wrap this up. The incident drew the attention of the Lazarus Foundation, who acquired the portrait and began to research it. So far, no connection to any of the major open case files has been found, though the mention of a charming man with no eyes has similarities to other encounters with purported servants of... What the hell is this? The Endless? Also known as the First Fear? Oh, Isabella, what have you gotten yourself into? I'll just read the rest of this and be done. Lazarus researchers are advised to immediately recover the portrait at once. Once the figure's eyes have been seen, seeing the figure's eyes seems to activate motion in the portrait and has also led to, led to the reconfiguration of carvings in the frame. At the time of recovery, there were 18 sleeping faces in the frame with only four awake. At last count, there are now five. <laughs> Dr. East. Yeah, I'm almost done. Please don't talk. I'm recording. Last note. Upon acquisition of the painting's twin, store in a separate location. Records suggest that the other portrait is stylistically identical to this one, but features a male figure instead. <sighs> okay, done. I totally handled it. No big deal. Let me just recover this thing and... Oh, 
that's weird. These faces on the frame. I thought this one was sleeping before. One, two, three, four, five, six. 